1: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, It's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
2: Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place. You know it. I don't even have to tell you why. So let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a very interesting quote from a young woman named Serenity Gibbons. Isn't that a wonderful name? She wrote this in a blog on DoDUE.com in, let's see, almost a year ago, July 2016. I'm going to tell you what the buzz is, and that will get us started. She says, and I quote, I like to start a mid-year business review with gratitude for everything we've been able to accomplish in the past six months. Okay. So a couple key words in there. Gratitude, of course, we love that, but business review and let's back it up a little to mid-year and past six months. Yes, that's what we're talking about. So we're talking specifically to SMEs and maybe even to startups that aren't even in that small to mid-size range or in the mini, mini SME range. We are halfway through 2017 that's not breaking news it's a reality check have you started thinking about whether to adjust your business and your marketing processes why should you do that Well, you've got half a year left to finish the year strong with a pow and a punch, just as you had envisioned it. Are things really going that well? Well, it sounds like a very stressful process, but my three special panelists today, and I'll introduce them in a moment, are saying, you don't have to stress out. It's easy. Start with some questions to figure out what's working and what's not. And then you get around to the part where you make changes and you plan to do things differently if you need to. Maybe your business is going brilliantly already and nothing has to change. Maybe you want it to be more brilliant. We're going to speak to our three experts in just a moment. Let me tell you who they are. Delighted to welcome back Trish Nettleship, Director of Multi-Channel Marketing at UCB, joining her on the panel. Another returning guest, Lisa Durett, Chief Strategist and Founder at Broad Insight, I-N-S-I-T-E. We've spoken to Lisa recently, and of course, the sponsor of the series, none other than that. I want to drum roll Lorraine. Lorraine Maurice, Senior Director, yeah. Global Indirect, da 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 global indirect channel marketing at SAP. And Lorraine put together this really interesting topic with Lisa. and we're welcoming Trish back, as I said. So, Trish, let's talk about your quote. You're quoting the wonderful, interesting, and amazing Elon Musk, born in 1971. That's just so young to have done everything. He's a South African-born Canadian-American business magnate, investor, engineer, and inventor. He is the founder, CEO, and CTO of SpaceX. Anybody been hiding under a rock, go look it up. Co-chairman of OpenAI, founder and CEO of Neuralink. This man never, ever sleeps. As of May this year, he had an estimated net worth of $15.2 billion, with a B, making him the 80th wealthiest person in the world. And last December, Forbes' list of the world's most powerful people ranked him number 21. You may also know him from Tesla and City. What can I say? Here's the quote Tricia selected. I think it's very important to have a feedback loop where you're constantly thinking about what you've done and how you could be doing it better. Trish, thank you so much for the great quote. How have you been, Trish Nettleship? Great, Bonnie. Thank you. Glad to be back. Wonderful. Tell me about something about this. Are you a fan of Elon Musk? Do you do you lie awake nights wondering what he's thinking up next? Or what, what do you think? This is a powerful. I have to, I have to admit, yeah,
3: it's my dirty secret. I do follow Elon Musk. <laughs> I can tell you all about his relationships, but we will not go there. Uh, we will talk a little bit about this quote. And the reason I love it, Bonnie, is when you think Elon Musk, you don't think about checking or monitoring your progress, right? You think high risk, big rewards, right? You, you talked about his net worth. I mean, he is a risk taker. I'm sure he's been laughed at yeah. in many boardrooms in his career. So when I started looking at this, I thought, oh my God, this is perfect because he's the opposite of what you would think of when you're thinking about checking how you're doing at a mid-year review point. So I love that he actually, coming from Elon Musk, this is something he thinks about. It's important to him. And this is probably key to his success and ongoing fashion right we can't just continue to run 100 miles an hour at some point we have to stop and check if we're heading in the right direction and what he's saying here is it's something you do constantly you don't wait till mid-year you don't wait till the end of the year it's something we need to be doing on a regular basis and i could not agree more with what elon the point he's making here that that it's a constant effort how are we doing are we heading in the right direction is our vision aligned right these are all the things we need to be asking ourselves on a continuous basis maybe not every day but pretty regular very interesting. Trish, thank you. Great quote. And yes, it is somewhat of a
2: surprise because we think this man has such a powerful, I'll use the word machine in terms of business infrastructure in all of his companies, that you'd think he'd just snap his fingers or push a button and everything would work perfectly. And even Elon Musk is saying... Constantly thinking about what you've done and how you could be doing it better. Mm-hmm. Trish, do you remember the the childhood mantra? I think we were we'd jump rope. I don't know about you, jump rope or played hopscotch or whatever. It was good, better, best. Never let it rest till the good is better and the better is best. Do you remember that? I do. I love it. Okay, well, just remember that, too, and and I think that's where this all comes from. Very interesting. Now, before we move on to Lisa and Lorraine's quotes, I want to ask you. Now, Elon Musk, and you mentioned this, is saying constantly think. Our topic today is mid-year business review. So at what point should we be creative? Should our listeners be creative with the term mid-year? Could it be mid-quarter? Could it be... Uh, What do you think? Could it be mid-half, which would be the, the first quarter? What do you think in terms of the review cycle? What would you suggest?
3: It's probably not the answer anyone wants to hear. I think it depends. It depends on your business, Mm -hmm. right? uh, I'm in a pharmaceutical business, right? Things move a little slower for us, so we're not constantly looking at what's happening. Our constantly looking is probably mid-year to end-of-year. But I've been in other businesses where it moves quite much faster, right? So we're having to look, monthly reviews, how are we doing? Are we hitting our goals? And I don't mean sales goals. Clearly, that's part of it but are we hitting all the goals that we've achieved? Is, are we still in line with our overall vision? Do we need to tweak our tactics to make sure that we're aligned to what we're trying to accomplish in a bigger plan? You know that It depends on your business and how fast things change. Yeah, in the telecom business, things change very, very frequently. We we're constantly having to evaluate where we we're going. Are we aligned to our vision? Are things heading in the right direction? our sales numbers? our marketing campaigns? Whatever it is we're evaluating, we had to continually look at that. It was probably more of a monthly rhythm. So I think it just depends on your business, the market you're in, how fast things evolve. You have to figure out what's best for you, and sometimes it's trial and error, right? If you do it every month and that things aren't changing, then maybe you go to every three months, once a quarter, right? I mean, that that really has to be a little bit of trial and error and see what works best for you.
2: Very interesting. And would you recommend that this become part of a company's culture from a new company perspective, Trish, where you start out and you say, okay, kids, we're going to gather around the table, whether it's virtual or hardwood or wherever, or glass, wherever it is, and we're going to make this part of our Mantra, every what, every four weeks, every quarter, every, every six months. So should this be built into the corporate culture that there's an expectation we will
3: be looking and evaluating? What's your thought on that? Absolutely. I think it needs to become a part of your DNA. With my team, we get together every two weeks, and we all talk about how things are going. What do we need to reevaluate? What do we need to tweak? Is there something we need to scrap and start and and stop, right? I mean, we ask those questions every other week. That may be too frequent for some folks, but we're in marketing, and uh, that's what we do day in and day out, and it's important for us to continue to improve what we're doing on a frequent basis. I'm in digital space as well, so... As I mentioned earlier, things are evolving quickly in that space, so we're constantly looking at how we're doing against our goals, but it is part of our team DNA. Everyone knows they need to come in and be able to talk about their programs, campaigns, about how things are going, what needs to be tweaked, what. and we have this, this what I ask my team every other week, what do we need to stop, what do we need to start, and sometimes there's nothing, but it's a hard question to answer, so... I think that needs to be one of the questions you put on there. What do you need to stop doing? What is not working at all and not helping you meet your goals? So it is clearly needs to be a part of who you are as a company and part of your culture and sometimes down at the team level depending on the size of your company. Thank you very much. Great insights. And you've already Bonnie, started I
2: off.
0: To, I have to yes. jump in. This Lorraine. Hi, Lorraine. Hello. I'm sorry, but this is such the critical message for today's yeah. call. And it really is about, first of all, setting a plan, stating your goals and objectives, gaining a cadence, and then, to Trisha's point, having a DNA and checking your metrics continually, and I think it does depend on your type of company, your type of sales cycle, and your type of buying cycle, but it's critical that you state your goals in advance and that you have these checkpoints throughout the year um, to make sure you're meeting them and to meet your revenue objectives, because at the end of the day, um, whether you're a, a, a one-person office, a, a 10-person office, or a 1,000-person office, it really all is all about meeting a profitable revenue, and that can only be done with checkpoints. Thank you, Lorraine.
2: I'm laughing. I'm smiling because we didn't get to your opening quote yet. But you know what? This is a conversation, and I really appreciate that. I was just about to say when I was going to thank Trish for her comments that we really are creating this show today will be more of a primer or primer, wherever you come from, whenever you pronounce that little word that packs a punch, on what to do and what not to do. So all of you out there listening, whether you're listening live here today, it's July, what is it? Uh, 13th, July 13th. That's a lucky Thursday. July thirteenth. 2017, or if you hear this show on demand, which will be available a couple hours later after we're off the air... Take notes. This is good stuff. You might want to replay this for your team, even for your management. If you're not that high up in the company, you might want to go to management. Am I right, Lorraine, with some notes and say, maybe we could do this or that. I heard it on Game Changers Radio. Let's just leave it there. Thank you, Lorraine. Now give me a chance here to welcome Lisa Durad at Broad Insight. And Lisa has sent us a wonderful quote as well from somebody named Tom Northup, N-O-R-T-H-U-P. And I did a little homework and found out he is the author. Of five hidden mistakes CEOs make how to unlock the secrets that drive growth and profitability, and that's really what we're talking about. He's also the founder and principal of an organization called LMG Leadership Management Group. Interestingly, I couldn't find anything about his age or his background or education or anything. He's not on Wikipedia, but he has a lot of promos out there, so he's doing a good job. Here's a Tom Northup quote. All organizations are perfectly designed to get the results they're now getting. If we want different results, we must change the way we do things. Lisa Duratt, how have you been? I've been great, Bonnie. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for joining. I love this, and it reminds me, isn't this a quote from... Edison, Thomas Edison, or Einstein. If you want to cha- want to get different results, you can't start out. We'll go ahead with the same thought process as the created the original results you're getting. What do you think, Lisa? Does it
4: sound familiar? I think it. I think it does sound familiar, definitely. Yeah, so Talk think, to me about you know, how you pick this. Yep. Well, I mean, I think it, it is exactly what they said. I mean, all too many times, you know, for me and in my business, you know, I've got clients that I meet and and they come to me frustrated. They don't understand why things aren't changing but they're still doing the same thing all along that they've been doing. And so there's that other one where it's, you know, I I can't remember it exactly, but it is very similar to this. And so you have to get them to to realize that if you want different results, then you have to approach, you know, your marketing, your business um, differently. If things aren't working, (laughs) there's no point in keep doing the same thing. So change it up, take a look at it. I think like Trish said, you know, put a plan in place. Um, I know that Lorraine, you know, emphasize that, but that is so critical. You have to plan out, you know, what your objectives are, put a plan in place, and at the same time, you know, once you have your goals mapped out, track it along the way. I think you mentioned it at the beginning. At what pace should you do mm-hmm. it? It depends on your business, but you definitely want to set some sort of cadence where you're checking in and saying, these are the goals we set, how are we coming along so far, and don't be locked into, I mean, the days of, Setting a, you know, annual marketing plan are long gone. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> do you, do you remember, Lisa? That... Companies used to come up with five year plans, ten year plans. Countries mm-hmm. have three to five yeah. year plans, right? Mm-hmm. You don't check in on those by the time you put the, in the old days, put the ink on the paper. It's already gone. It's obsolete. So absolutely. By the way, the quote I found is, um, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. That's an Einstein quote. Mm -hmm. That resonate on this? Yeah.
4: I think so. Absolutely. Are you a, a
2: big fan of Tom Northup? How did you find the quote,
3: Lisa? You know,
4: I was um, getting ready for the show, doing some digging, and, and just kind of found him this way, and then I did some, you know, once I found the quote, I looked him up and started doing some background on him. So I really like, you know, what he's doing, and I thought, just thought the quote was perfect for what we're talking about today. It absolutely is, and it basically
2: shows that you need to check in with yourself and see if you want different results, retrofit, or maybe even just scrap the plan and start all over again. Hey, it's your company. You can do it. Thank you very much, Lisa, and now introducing again... Lorraine Maurice. Lorraine has sent us a quote from Ellen DeGeneres. Talk about somebody who tried to figure it out and has probably a lot of changing infrastructure and changing goals over the years. Ellen Lee DeGeneres, born in 1958, is an American comedian, TV host, actress, writer, and producer. She starred in the popular sitcom Ellen from 94 to 98, and she has hosted her syndicated TV talk show, The Ellen DeGeneres Show, since 2003. She has a film career an acting career a stand-up career TV career oh my she's hosted the Academy Awards the Grammy Awards the primetime Emmys written three books and she even has her own record company did you know that Lorraine Ellen I has had an- no idea and you know what it's called <laughs> you'll never guess 1111 and it's spelled out. Not just one 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 wow. one eleven eleven, all one word with only one capital E at the beginning. She's won twenty-nine Emmys, twenty People's Choice Awards more than any other person, and other awards for her charitable work as well. And she even got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. So now we want to really take her word seriously. Here is the quote Lorraine has found. And you might all be a little surprised. This came from Ellen. I was, and here we go. When you take risks, you learn that there will be times when you succeed and there will be times when you fail, and both are equally important. Officially, Lorraine Maurice, welcome to your own series. How are you, dear?
0: Oh, I'm fabulous, and thank you for uh, <laughs> letting me be introduced twice. This is just a fascinating project for me.
2: Anytime. So talk to me. You picked the Ellen quote. Were you expecting her to say something funny or, and not quite so serious? And How does this relate to our topic, Lorraine?
0: Well, I, I have to be honest, I was looking at something about our topic, and I really wanted to bring up the point that not everything is successful, and that sometimes you have to have trial and error, especially if you can afford to do it, whether it's a different target audience, it's a different marketing tactic, um, a different you know, type of messaging strategy. But that's what leads us to, to have a checkpoint, and whether it's the mid-year or a cadence throughout the year, and I would recommend a monthly cadence, if not more. So I felt that it was important to know that that failure is part of the process, and it only makes you more successful. If you think you're doing everything right, then it means you're not doing something. And and so I feel it's really important to to try things.
1: Very interesting.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Interestingly enough, one of my past jobs was in a pilot mode, and I think I spent 18 months piloting and launching projects that were meant to fail, just to see, see what would happen and the audience response. It was a difficult position to have because nobody likes to, to fail, but at the end of wow. the day, it was successful in just trying the messaging, trying the audience, trying the response rates.
2: Lorraine, did you ever succeed accidentally in some of those failure-prone failure or failure-meant-to-be projects? What
0: was the experience there? um i i think well well what succeeded what, what we did succeed is where we saw um the responses come from audience was we didn't expect it to come from. So let's say we were going after a specific area of the country, for example, with a specific message, but yet it was a broad-based message and the results came in from the Northeast versus the West Coast, and we really were hoping to meet the West Coast. So it was things like that um, to see what resonated where that were really fascinating. And then it was even, you know, just word changes. So um, the sampling that we did, you know, was just effective in putting together the successful
2: campaign. Very interesting. Thank you. I didn't know you had done that. It sounds like a job for somebody with a very strong nervous system and a very (laughs) very strong ego would say, well, you know, we intended it to fail, but let's look and see what we can glean from this. So you were in constant review mode, Lorraine. You were in constant. We know it's not going to work, but what did we do wrong? What can we do better? So that was the whole
0: purpose, right? right? That ongoing review process. Right, it's the, right. the ongoing review process. Um, you know, again, it just goes back to some simplicity. What was going to impact revenue? What was going to impact? You know, back then it was more traditional marketing than social and digital. But what was going to impact open rates, response rates, um, and then it was also helping us understand the demographics as part of our buyer's journey. So the, I guess that the marketing may not have worked in succeeding. In terms of it being the well-based campaign, but what it was able to allow us to do was understand our buyer to a greater extent, which then put Mm -hmm. a, a, you know, a well-run campaign into place. But uh, it was interesting knowing that uh, it wasn't going to be perfect.
2: Very interesting. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. That's a a good reality check for people. It might be something some of our listeners might want to try on a limited basis, get somebody strong to run it, though. Now we're going to circle back around the table to Trish Nettleship and ask you, Trish, you know the questions. Number one, where are you calling from in general, and what are you drinking that makes you smile? I'm looking at your picture, and you have a fabulous smile. So what's the drink that makes you the happiest, Trish? So
3: I'm calling from Buford, Georgia, which is near the lovely Lake Lanier, if you've ever been to uh, the metro Atlanta area. So that's where I live. My What's in my cup today, I think we've talked about this before, Bonnie, but I'm going to bring it up again because it is a big part of my life. One of my big dreams is to open a wine bar. So when I retire from corporate life, I'm going to have my own business and have a wine bar, hopefully at the beach. So uh, as I travel for my work, one of the things I do is explore wines from all over the world, and I love it. It's one of the favorite things about the travel that I get to do that I, I enjoy the most. So uh, today, I am sampling a homemade cava sangria. So in Barcelona, we tasted mm. red, white, and cava sangria, and I fell in love with it, the cava sangria. So my husband and I are trying to make uh, the perfect Cava sangria for when we're at the beach next week. So that's what's in my cup today. Lots of fruit and a lovely,
2: refreshing beverage. That sounds lovely. I did look up Cava Sangria, and you probably are not surprised that Bobby Flay has a recipe on the Food Network. Did you see that one yet, Trish? We've Have you looked at it?
3: probably about 15. We're on our fourth this week already. So, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're experimenting. we got two more days left. so You're a very happy person. So this is
2: a whole bottle of Spanish Cava, C-A-V-A chilled, quarter cup of white grape juice, two tablespoons of brandy, mm, two tablespoons mm. of simple syrup. Look that one up. Ice cubes. Maybe you could put some of those LED ice cubes and so that they give off light. Oh, yes. Half a cup of sliced strawberries and eight mint leaves. We'll be right over, Trish. Trish, do you want me to tweet? <laughs> I'm ready to tweet that Trish, at TrishNet, aspires to opening a wine bar at the beach someday. Do you want me to tweet that or not? Tell me now absolutely. if you want me to.
3: Absolutely. It is something that I let everybody know. I want to be held accountable. That's my goal. That's my dream. And uh, absolutely, put it out there. The more people that know, the more accountable I have to be. I love it. Follow it's, my dreams. It's, That's
2: it. You know what? It has been whoop tweeted. There you go. You are out there in public now. Thank you, Trish, for sharing. And you're welcome, Lisa Durrett. Where are you calling from? And what are you drinking that makes you especially happy, Lisa?
4: I'm in um, Alpharetta, Georgia, also a suburb of Atlanta. Um and you know this is the south it's Georgia the peach state and um I have been on a mission all summer to make um homemade peach tea so I keep trying different recipes <laughs> I think it's still a work in progress so I keep trying uh you know different peaches different teas so right now I think I'm I'm, I'm on my third recipe but um it's a perfect summer drink so refreshing
2: I bet it is. Do you get good peaches down there? I think you do, right? Is uh, that the peach absolutely. capital? Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if it's I lived the peach it, capital, but it should be. It should be. I, I lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, near Harvard Square many years ago, Lisa, and we had a little... B- butcher shop on Mass Ave. Anybody knows Cambridge, Massachusetts Avenue. And a little old guy named Izzy ran it. And he had the best cuts of meat. But what I'm getting to is he had these wooden crates of fresh fruit sitting on a stand in front of the store when you walked in. And Mm -hmm. I had, I got to tell you, his peaches were beyond divine so when i'd go up there to get whatever fresh meat i mean what a luxury to be a young married person living in cambridge and to be able to buy fresh meat from butcher instead of packaged in the supermarket but there was always wonderful fresh fruit cherries and peaches and izzy had the best fruit i know he's not around anymore so there's a shout out to izzy i don't remember his last name if anybody knows him tell me thank you lisa good memories there and now it's time for lorraine where art thou and what makes you you're always smiling lorraine what makes
0: you happy today? Well, thanks. Smiling is contagious. You need to do it. I happen to be in the SAP office today, which is very unusual for me. And so I'm in Buckhead, Georgia. is a little uh, town inside Atlanta known for its great restaurants. And I I wish I could be as happy as Trish and sampling some wine. But since I'm in the office (laughs) today, I'm supporting one of our local businesses, uh, Coca-Cola, and drinking a Dasani uh, lemon-lime sparkling water. Having come from the northeast, I'm a seltzer girl, so we can call it sparkling water, but at the end of the day, it's a good sparkling seltzer.
2: Wow, Dasani. Yes, I'm looking it up. I see this picture here. uh, More They actually say, yes, I'm looking at it. Beautiful, and a lovely bottle, too. Thank you very much, D-A-S-A-N-I. There's an official site, Lime Sparkling Water, too, Dasani, D-A-S-A-N-I.com. Zero-calorie drink. Who doesn't want that? Thank you, Lorraine. And as you all know, ladies, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine or, for that matter, Trish, alcohol on radio show days. So I've got my trusty cup of cool, clear water here fresh from the Brita filter, and I've got a green straw because the sun keeps coming out and going in and coming out and going in. By the way, Trish and Lisa, I'm relocating to North Carolina in two months, so I'll be down there in the south with y'all. So how about that? Maybe we'll all get together one day, okay? Everybody well, up for definitely. a visit? You
3: got. You Absolutely. have to add y'all to
2: your vocabulary. Road trip, yeah, you'll teach me how to talk. Anyway, we're talking today, we've been diving into the topic, if you were just joining us, the topic is managing your SME business, but I would say any business, mid-year review. Don't just keep plunking along. Maybe you want it bi-weekly, maybe monthly, quarterly, half-year, it's now middle of July, so we're attacking the mid-year review cycle and suggesting that you review your goals, your processes, what's working, what's... It's not. Do you need to change anything? If you do, why? What do you want to do to end the year strong? Three specialists are joining us today. Trish Nettleship at UCB, Lisa Durrett at Broad Insight, and Lorraine Maurice at SAP. And I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break, so you know the drill. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. 90 seconds is all we're going to take. We'll be right back. Kevin out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here voice america business network studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before discovering and researching products and services as a result it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers explores the impact of changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think Big, Work Small, presented by SAP, every Thursday on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers.
2: Exactly, exactly, exactly. And our topic is managing your SME business, any business. I'm going to expand the topic, mid-year review. It's mid-year now. We're talking to Trish Nettleship, Lisa Durrett, and Lorraine Maurice about what you can do for your business, even if you're not a manager. Think about what's in the DA of your, DNA of your organization that's going to help you keep on track. Is it the track you are on that you need to be on for the rest of the year? Maybe not. So we're looking at Trish Nettleship's notes that she sent me before the show. And here's where we're going to start the roundtable. Trish told me, she said, you don't have to do this alone Form an evaluation committee or a team. Include people who were involved in the original creation of the plan and execution of the
3: plan. Trish, talk to us about this team approach. Why is it so smart? Well, I'll tell you from personal experience. Early in my career, I had one of my managers ask me to do a mid-year review. They wanted me to evaluate myself. I have to tell you, I, it was awful. It was. I was scared. I. Did, I was very critical of myself. It was probably one of the most terrifying experiences I went through my early career. So from that experience, I have learned over the years that it's it's really not always about the individual. We have to look outside of just our perspective because I'm going to be biased to a certain extent in my own plans, my own ideas, my own tactics I've put out there, right, in execution. So I'm somewhat biased. There's always data that helps us, but it's great to get an outside perspective. So most of the time, it's not something I've done alone. It's a team effort, so it's important to bring in the other perspectives. But I also think, in addition to what I the notes I sent to you, Bonnie, it's important that we even go outside of the team that helped create the plan, helped, cre- helped with the execution. We need to get outside and ask the folks who are being impacted by it. So whether it's other employees uh, or it's our customers, right? I'm a, big fan of advisory boards uh they can be done very inexpensively online virtually and we even do it through our facebook community sometimes which don't cost us anything right we really? ask our customers what do you absolutely. say well
2: what's what what's the quick give me one key question then we're going to see what trish i'm sorry what uh, lisa and and lorraine have to say trish give me one key question you would put on a facebook page to get that kind of feedback what
3: would you say Right. So we're sitting here brainstorming a campaign about how to talk to our customers. We just go and say, hey, how do you talk about this disease? Right, Put in any disease. What words do you use? What are some of your biggest issues you're having to deal with with this disease? Because we don't live with it day in and day out. So just we put questions like as simple as, what are your biggest challenges in dealing with lupus? Just ask. Mm-hmm. Right, Because we think we know. We've got all the data sitting here, but it's so much better to go and ask our, uh, the patients that live with this disease every day or the physicians that are meeting with the patients. So that's, and it doesn't cost us anything to do that. It's free resource. We have a very robust community that we can ask in real time. We get the data in real time, right? We give it a little bit of time, a day or two. But we're not talking about a research day that costs us a lot of money and we have to wait six weeks for. So it's a simple approach just to ask. It's amazing what people will tell you if you just ask them. Thank you very much. That's an
2: eye-opener. Lisa Durrett, what do you think? Agree or disagree, and have you tried that? I completely
4: agree and have tried it and continue to um, promote that concept, and that is getting your customers involved. They want to be part of the process. They respect you for asking them, and they are more than willing to participate. Um, You know, I've worked at companies where we've brought them in on the product or app design process and said, you know, this is what we're thinking, you know, from the very initial, you know, concept of this is what, you know, we're thinking we want to develop, is that of value to you, yes or no? And then they will tell you what they think. Um, and if they're already customers, they, they're already invested in you, so what better way than to, you know, go, go right to your source, right? Go, go to your customers and bring them involved. And like Tresh said, that's the best way. You don't have to pay them to do it. <laughs> it's free.
2: And they're willing to participate. Interesting enough. I'm just going to throw a little monkey wrench in here, Lorraine, before you come in on this conversation. When I think of, uh, customer feedback, I think of Yelp and I think of how many restaurants and creative organizations suffer dearly because the people who want to do it without being asked, Trish and Lisa and Lorraine, the people who wanted, I had a crappy experience at Bob's restaurant. I'm sorry, Bob, whoever you are, but I had a terrible experience and the service was bad and the prices were too high and the food was cold and blah, blah, blah. So there is this feedback loop online, but I don't know how how valuable that is. So maybe we can hone in and fine-tune this a little bit on how you actually start it by asking. And I like what Tricia and Lisa said. Lorraine, what do you think? What's the danger or the plus side of using social media for that feedback loop? What do you see?
0: Well, the plus side is you're going to get response Um, But the downside, well, it's really not a downside. It's one of those, uh, you may get a lemon, but you have to make lemonade out of it, is that you may get some feedback that's not favorable. And that's, you know, we're not talking about social today, but that becomes Mm -hmm. the importance of your social monitoring, um, having somebody that is listening, is responding, and is taking action so that you can address the issue that happens. But at the end of the day, it's about the value to the customer, Um, so if you're not asking them and looking for the messaging that resonates with them, you're probably missing the mark. We can all sit and assume, but it's really the person that's receiving your goods or services uh, that knows what they're looking for. And I'll tell you that they're, they're all four of us could have a, a different word or a different message that, that. Means something to us, but there are commonalities. There are commonalities in the end goal, in the problem that they're looking to solve, Your customers looking to solve, um, or what they're, you know, what they're looking to purchase. And so the feedback loop, especially one as simple as just asking, which is brilliant, um, is, is is incredibly beneficial. And again, it can be done very low cost, very simply.
3: Very can I just interesting. Add on what Lorraine yeah, please. I, clearly, we are you, you, the world of yelp we 're going to get negative reviews. I mean, I had a job where I did social listening and I got to see how people felt about the company I worked for and it wasn 't always mm-hmm. fun uh, it wasn 't always mm-hmm. positive, but if we don 't have that feedback. We can't do anything about it. So it gives us an opportunity, and Lorraine touched on that, to really turn a negative into a positive. So if someone's complaining about a service that my company delivered, if I'm a, uh, my sister's a CPA and she has a great, thriving business, but people complain, right? I didn't get enough money back on my taxes. But if she doesn't know that they're not happy, a lot of people aren't going to tell her that to her face, right? But if she finds out via social media what she has, that they're not happy, she can go back and talk to them, explain to them why it was the way that it was, right? So she can turn that negative into a positive. So it's just one example, but we can also do that in a public way where people say, see us reacting, see uh-huh. us trying to resolve the issue, which you know, people don't expect perfection. They do expect you to respond when they have a problem. Very well put. Thank you. And that, that's
2: always been something I think from the early days. uh, Lorraine, you're probably very familiar with this early days of, of social media when there is something negative. Remember the guy whose uh, guitar was mishandled on an airplane flight and it came out damaged. And I think he wrote a song about it. The, the guy, the idea is if you're going to be doing anything on social, especially Twitter or Facebook, you need to have people who watch that feedback to see what you need to say to appreciate the input, appreciate the feedback and mitigate the damage. am I right ladies you need need to have a focus on it and somebody who is is well equipped to represent the company and to absorb the information and give a positive feedback so you can not just spin it but say we're listening. thank you. Anybody want to comment on that before I move on? Lisa Lorraine, Trish.
4: I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think like like Trish and Lorraine have said, I mean, a lot of times, you know, many times, you know, you're not going to always get the positive mm-hmm. review, but it, you can't, you know, be the uh, ostrich with its head in the sand either. I mean, you want to know the good and the bad. You want to know what's working, what's not working. Um, and I, I definitely agree. I mean, I think many times you can take something that may appear to be negative or somebody who's unhappy with the product or a service and turn it into, you know, uh, maybe an even more loyal customer and a brand advocate. So you've got to be yes. out there, be willing to ask the question, and be willing to accept the good along with the bad.
2: Thank you
0: very much. Okay. And Lisa, oh, go ahead. Is that Lorraine? Uh, Yeah, I was was just going to even add on to that. You know, back in the traditional marketing days, and this is still needed, you have kind of the crisis communications teams in public relations. You know, if, you know, somebody ate a bad hamburger and it got an article in the newspaper, you know, and it was impactful to business, the crisis team would get together. Some executive said the wrong thing. Um, The social listening and response is today's... Not only, I, would, I wouldn't call it crisis management, I would call it business management and, and advocacy. So um, it's really, you know, the, the modern marketing way of measuring and monitoring who your customers are and their responses. Thank you very much. I mean, well put.
3: To today's topic, yep. Lorraine, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely how, another way to get that constant feedback right i mean we're talking about the mid year reviews and but we we also touched on the need for constant feedback there's a way to get constant feedback directly from your customers all you have to do is listen they're talking whether you're there or not yeah, that's right and speaking of customers i'm going to look at some
2: notes here from lisa durrett and lisa let's talk about you can't be everything to everybody no company can your notes say here you need to take the time to clearly identify your ideal client and realize you can't be all things to all people. This is a recipe for frustration, not for success. So, Lisa, tie this to our mid-year review. How do you, do you redefine, rehone the profile of the ideal client mid-year if sales aren't going well or if there's too much negative feedback? What do you advise?
4: Well, I think what you need to do, and it, it, all of the topics that we've been talking about so far um, kind of feed into this, right? I mean, if you're getting real-time feedback, if you're engaging with your with your customers, with your end users, and you're asking them to let you know how you're doing. How's my product? Is it meeting your needs? Um, you know, then you can constantly be either managing or developing. You know what we like to call is um, your user profile or your buyer profile. Those are you know the the key profiles that you're marketing to. Um, and sometimes, um, as your business grows and and changes, and you have new products that come and go, um, those profiles are going to change. And so, I think it's okay for businesses to say, you know what, what we do, the service we provide, the product we produce, really is best for this type of customer. And while we would love to, you know, you know, we're a small business. While we'd love to go after the, you know, the big competitors, the the big, huge companies that out that are out there that are able to be almost everything to everyone, you know, we can't compete at that, and maybe we don't want to, and that's okay. Um, but as long as you take the time to identify, you know, what your ideal client is or your ideal customer is, and then you understand their needs, then you can market to those needs, develop your product, your solutions that that best meet those needs. And I think when you can do that, and you're okay with that. And you manage that process, and you're constantly saying, you know, is that customer changing, or you know, now that we've added mm-hmm. some things, you know, can we maybe broaden our scope or address different needs? Um, but I think that's key, especially when you're talking about small to mid-sized enterprises.
2: Thank you, Lisa. I, I had an interesting uh, interview on my TV show this week. My uh, something to talk about live show, and I invited a young woman who is a an entrepreneurial instructor at Florida A and M University. Her name is Latanya White. And she started a, a business called uh, Pivot University, where she is bringing people on board to learn how to put together a business. The underserved population, and you know what I'm talking about, who are not getting all of this great advice or may not be plugged into the networks that the three of you are on. And and very interesting, Lisa, to this point, she has what in her workbook, it looks like a Mad Libs section. And it's how do you Mm -hmm. define your ideal client? And she starts out by saying, who are they? Where do they get their news? Where do they shop? Where do they go to work? What kind of media Mm -hmm. do they use? Are they on social media? What's their age group? What's their education? It was like creating a character almost for a play or for an improv. I think Lorraine could appreciate that. And she takes the business, the entrepreneur, the owner, through the steps of exactly if you could Mm -hmm. put this ideal person together. Who are they as a real person in real life? Do you advise something like that exercise, Lisa, if things Absolutely. are not going well? It, it well, just seemed very clever to me. Go ahead.
4: Ever, yeah, long before you ever get to the point of saying, you know what, things aren't going well, how do we fix it? You should do that from day one, right? You want to understand That's right. who is your who is your user, who is your customer. And we do exactly what you just described. We go through a process process. Um, we even interview some actual customers. We interview the salespeople. We interview the executives, and we build a profile. We build a person. We even give them a name. <laughs> and so wow. some companies may only have, you know, one. I mean, it's odd, but, I mean, you could have one. Most of them end up with two or three to start with, um, you know, and, and you want to cover, you know, the the entire process. So what's the profile of the person who's not a customer who you're trying to sell to for the first time? What's the profile of the person who you know it uses the product day to day? And then you know if you enter, if you have to um, deal with people on, let's say the the HR side or the billing side, what does that profile look like? And how do we interact with them? And and the the beauty of this is you can have two or three, and I have some clients that end up with, like, seven. So it just depends. But that way that they are sure that they understand, you know, who their clients are, mm-hmm. how they interact with them, and how they can serve and meet their needs. Very and interesting. Th- yes,
0: go ahead, Larrae. I am just the interrupter today. Sorry about that. Oh, but anyway, no, I, we love I it. Think <laughs> that, I think that what, what – I agree that's a critical component is understanding your audience and putting together profiles and I, I would also agree that it's it's multiple different profiles and you should recognize that there are different audiences however i think one of the first steps is identifying your value from from a business mm. perspective mm-hmm. you need to understand your value proposition and you may yes. start out you know holistically of you know i deliver X, or or I solve this problem, or here's who I am. Um, as part of that value proposition, you probably do want to look at the competitors. And then you start looking at your audiences, and then you take that value proposition, and you adjust it per audience so that your message is clean and clear. And again, it is not all about you. <laughs> so I, I joke, it's not about ABC Company. It's truly about Um, what is going to make that customer um, have a win? Is it solving a business problem? Is it adding efficiencies? Is it delivering what value that makes them better? Is what your value proposition should address. If it addresses that ABC company has 12 technicians, you're way off base. So knowing your audience and knowing what makes them have a win it is where you need to go, and that's what you need to evaluate throughout the year. Am I talking to the customer correctly? Yep. Am I talking to them with the right
2: message? Lorraine, it's called getting out of your own way. You may have heard me mention <laughs> something called guerrilla marketing. I heard about many, many years ago, and it was the example was you open a magazine and you see a picture of a toaster, and it says we're the oldest toaster company in America, and we have 29 models and 3,500 colors and 15 different ways to plug it into the wall. We're great. Buy from us. Then you turn the page and you see, hey, moms need to get a nutritious breakfast for your kids in three minutes flat and leave the house to go to work with a clean kitchen, try XYZ Toaster. It'll get it all done for you and make you a happy mom and make your family healthy. And you go to work with a clean mind, come home to a clean kitchen. And then, which one are you going to buy? The one with the 3500 colors? Or the one that says, hey mom, we're talking to you. And that was the lesson years and years ago. Lorraine, we're almost out of time, but what I want to do, thanks for that Really interesting discussion, ladies. Lorraine, I want to go on on one thing here. I'm not sure we covered it in enough territory yet. But before we go to our predictions in about four minutes, you say, start by reviewing your marketing plan. Do you have one or have you been winging it? Do you have strategies? Do you have tactics? How do you measure success? And this was one of, of Elisa's points as well. Are you measuring anything? Lorraine, why don't you give us a couple minutes on this and then we will go back around the table to Trish and start our predictions. So Lorraine, marketing plan and measurements. What do you suggest?
0: Uh, so I suggest that it, marketing become recognized by everybody in the business, but of course, the business leader. It's as equally as important as a, a, an equally important component of your business plan, um, as part of your revenue, as part of your um, you know your resource management, um, it, and, and what product or service you deliver. So having and marketing, as we talked about. in in this session and others is everybody's job how do you reach your customer audience and what is your customer life cycle in terms of their buying and so by identifying that at the beginning of your year whenever that is and then putting into place a a quarterly I I even think you have annual objectives with quarterly plans um, to make that happen and then the analytics aspect of that is not difficult it's you know how many new customers do we need to have you know uh, what's the return on the investment of our marketing that we need to have? What's the touch points? You know, What are the right you know, um, vehicles that we're going to use? So you can start out small. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money and it doesn't have to be difficult. It just has to be something that you can actually measure, that you can hold people accountable for, and that you can execute and implement in a timely fashion. So if you don't have a plan and you're just ad-hocing it, it's like going to the grocery store without a list. You tend to spend more money and do things that you really don't need to do. So if you're focused, (laughs) you can be more efficient. Uh, The other thing is if you can't, If you can't um, measure it, then you're wasting your dollars as well. How do you know if it's really working? And none of us have dollars to waste today. So I think it's critical, one, to document a plan to the points that um, the the panelists have made to make sure that you get outside influences from your company, from your employees. I mean, company employees, but your customers. uh, Even look at what your competitors are doing. And then documenting it and then putting a cadence and then putting the measurements analytics are key. It allows a marketer, it allows a business owner to be efficient. Um, And again, it's all about the revenue. So at the end of the day, it gives you the insights into being profitable.
2: Lorraine, I have a question for you, and I'm going to take Here. this question around the table before we go to predictions in a minute and a half. So as a quick answer, ladies, Lorraine, first, whose job is it to do this? Whose job is it we say your plan, your marketing, your measurements, your customer? We're using it broad. What about a company with 20 people, a company with 50 people, a company with 12 people? I think those all fall into lower end to mid end, a midsize
0: company. So whose job is it to do all this, Lorraine? It is the business owners to set the precedent, and then it is everybody's job in a company of that size
3: to make it happen.
2: Okay, Trish, what do you think? Agree or disagree with that?
3: Absolutely, everybody's job, but you have to be the you have to get out there and role model that behavior, whether you're the business owner or not. I think that kind of behavior and that culture shift can come from anywhere in the business, but eventually it has to become part of the DNA, as we just discussed earlier, Everybody, I has like to get that. On board. Lisa, quickly,
2: agree or disagree? completely agree.
3: Um,
4: no. Like Lorraine said, I think the business owner has to set the precedent. Um, but um, whether you're a five-person organization or 45, I mean, at some level, everyone has to buy in and, and is part of it. Take it seriously.
2: Thank you very much. The Culture and the DNA. Trish Nettleship, I'm ready for you. 60 seconds. What's your prediction, Trish, managing your SME business mid-year review? Do you think this is something that's already caught on? Will it catch on? Let's fast forward to about 2020. Great year 2020. You know why I do that. Trish, who Who do you think more businesses will be doing it? Do you think they're all saying, ah, we do it already. What are you talking about? Where will we be with this type of business management in the next couple of years? Trish, 60 seconds predict
3: i'm going to put my realist hat on and say we'll probably still be having the same conversation Ah. i'm hopeful that that is not the case i mean we still have the same conversations around social media that we had. you know what are the metrics how do we measure it what matters so i unfortunately i think we'll still be having the same conversation but i think the companies the teams that figure this out and start behaving in this manner are actually going to have an impact on the business and they're going to see significant returns for that change in behavior
2: Thank you very much. Good reality check. Ms. Lisa Durrett, I saved. Oh, I've got a whole 90 seconds for you, Lisa. Thank you to Trish for a little bit left over. Every second counts here. Like Lorraine says, we don't have dollars to waste. We've got minutes here. Lisa, predictions, 90 seconds. What do you see? Um, I
4: see it definitely, you know, continuing. I'm hoping that, you know, in the future it will get better. Um, you know, I, I kind of agree with, with Trish, um, and I will take it a little bit further to say that I'm hoping That, you know, measurement of a campaign, metrics are all over the place. We have page views. We have likes. We have video views, click-through rates. And quite honestly, all of them are, they're all kind of, uh, none of them are good. Um, So I'm hoping, you know, if we look forward to 2020, I'm hoping that we'll continue as marketers. To try and settle in on a metric that actually you know fits the purpose that we're we're trying to achieve and and maybe it's we're coming up with saying you know yes we achieved a you know a nineteen and our goal was a twenty and but we, that we know for sure that whatever that means that means it worked um, and that it you know if we can get to that point then we're talking about you know everything being transformed so i think i agree with trish that if companies and businesses continue to do this or will adopt this process and you know maybe if they can at least do a mid-year review maybe a quarterly review and start to put that into place i think um, we'll definitely see their business transformed thank you good points all
2: lorraine maurice i saved i have 90 seconds for you too lorraine it's all yours
0: go ahead So first of all, I wanted to let you know that 2020 is in two years, five months, 19 days, 10 hours, five minutes, and 33 seconds. 33 seconds, and
2: now it's 26 seconds. We're measuring. We're measuring. We're leading by
0: example. All right, right, Lorraine. what's Not that far away. Um, So, my my prediction is that um, marketing is not going to be an afterthought, that it's going to be at the top of, um, whether you're an entrepreneur, a small business, or a large business, it's going to be a strategy at the top of the planning process, and that... um, it, they're going to recognize the importance and recognize the importance of marketing analytics in, in driving the business plan and in meeting the objectives. So as we move forward, there's a ton of tools. Um, you're able to integrate them with the onset of digital marketing. You have to measure. You have to know. You have to listen. And so I think over the next you know, two years and five months that business owners um, and leaders are going to become more comfortable with uh, marketing. That, it, that it's part of their job, part of everybody's job in their company, and why they need to measure it, monitor it, have a cadence, and have a, a call to action and a plan. So I, that's where I see it going. It's, it's becoming more and more relevant. Um, that it is how the buyers buy are online, and online takes a plan, and it takes measurements.
2: Thank you very much. So well put. I appreciate it, ladies. It's been such a pleasure. Trish Nettleship, all the best. Lisa Durrett, ditto, ditto, and Lorraine Maurice. Lorraine, you have a couple more episodes this year. Looking forward to more from you. Always good advice for our SME audience. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is the end of our broadcast week. Yes, we did five live shows this week, and that's what we're planning for next week. So check us out on the Business Channel on World Talk Radio, aka VoiceAmerica.com. If you have anybody who's in business anywhere in the world, tell them about us. have good conversations and bring you good thought leaders we're not selling anything we're just telling you these are some good ideas that may inspire and help your business so there thank you to kevin g at world talk radio our engineer extraordinaire great work this week kevin and i'm going to just say to all of you fasten your seat belt what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today just like trish Just like Lisa, just like Lorraine. Have a great one, everyone. Talk to you next Tuesday with more live Game Changers radio. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.